Okay. This is the Visceralist Podcast, of course. Episode 8. Nope. At t- take 60. Put the 60 in front of it. <laughs> oh, take a 60? Take a 60, put it in front of the 8. Take out the 0. Put, smash the 6 and the 8 together. It's episode 68. Check out Visceralist at gmail.com. Instagram. Check out the Instagram. We're doing a lot of good things up there. I put up um, I put up a photo from uh, the when I was watching uh, the Netflix show Dating Around, um, and one of the stars of the show, yep, one of the stars of the show, uh, liked that post, and um, it was Gurky for those who watched the show, and uh, uh, actually the mustache guy did too. Um, so check it out. Uh, the, mustache, the mustache guy. He presumably has a name. <laughs> what, what was his issue on the show? Did he like? Was he like eating the dinner with his with his hands? Like picking up uh, the piece of he, chicken no, with his hands that the guy didn't he, like. He Do you was, remember? Yeah, he was eating. He was definitely um, eating with a fork and fingers. <laughs> and just eating, eating and talking, and he was talking with his mouth open. Yeah, well, full mouth full. You, I mean, your mouth got to be open when you talk, right? Right. It's full of full of full of bullshit and food. Oh, <laughs> see, bang bang. <laughs> All right, let's get into our much beloved segment, trifling in NYC. Um, I have, I have one quick one, one. Uh, more in-depth one. I'll do the quick one first. Um, I was reminded of this by um, walking around on the, on the subway platform. I saw a guy who was wearing a particular outfit that reminded me of the story. Um, years and years and years ago, um, of my roommate invited someone over to the apartment just to like pregame before they were going out. And... Uh, I was just chatting with this guy. Uh, both of these people worked at Vice at yeah. the time. So, and this was back in the early, early days of Vice um, when they were just like com- before they were corporate and they were all just completely crazy. Um, yeah, and, they were like a bunch of loose cannons over there. Yeah. Well, you, you actually, so their offices were in north williamsburg but they were close to the water so not not too far from where you lived <laughs> yeah and then they just like ate the whole block now they're yeah. huge over there exactly um so anyway a bunch of vice brolos um <laughs> yeah I, I won't call them brolos i don't know jamokes <laughs> bunch of vice jack and ninnies crowding up my apartment and so anyway i asked um do you know what a kafia is? Oh yeah, those were popular. Oh yeah. So kafia is oh, like oh with um, the vi- with the vice crowd they were like real popular. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So for listeners who might not know, kafia is like um it's sort of like a like a scarf or like a shawl, but but that m- mostly men wear. Um, I believe originated I want to say in the Middle East. Um, I believe so too. And uh, became sort of like a trendy uh, accessory for men to wear. Um, 
that was just pr- pretty popular with a certain set of hipsters. And um, this was from like the mid aughts, probably around 06, 07. Um, anyway, I saw a guy in the subway wearing that. Anyway, I didn't know what, it, what they were called at the time. Um, and certainly didn't know they were called a kafia. And so this, these dudes are like slamming beer and causing a ruckus in my Were you tiny, tiny, too? tiny, I, I may, I wasn't slamming a beer. I may have been sipping on one. Okay. Um, and they were just getting rowdy before they would go out. So anyway, I met, I bumped into this guy in the, in the kitchen and I was like, and he was wearing it. I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool scarf. And he like the look of disdain he gave me. <laughs> For calling it a scarf, scarf, and the smirk he gave me, and like I saw him like look over to like my roommate with a smirk, like you believe this guy? Who is this guy? Mm. <laughs> and like, mm. and he's like, oh god, I can remember, I remember this really vividly too. It's like his smirk, his like his shock that I, I would dare call it a scarf, and he's like, uh, it's a kafia, bro. And I, I know like, he threw that bro in at the end, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, because like this is my first time hearing this word, and it's you know unusual, vaguely, like I asked him to repeat it, which only pissed him <laughs> off more. And I don't even think he did. I think he might have just walked away after I asked him to. I was like, mm. what? Co- what? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you're in my house. Like, can you be this rude to me? <laughs> but that totally tracks with like vice people like I mean oh, that's pretty good <laughs> the thing is I actually good. was being serious like I actually did think it was cool um <laughs> I think it's it's like it's a it's a good look I don't know if he thought like because I was giving him a compliment I, like in his mind he's like projecting so like obviously I'm making fun of him right and I, I intentionally had, called had it. people made fun of him before for that. Yeah, or it's just that with certain sets, subsets, like they're just all making fun of each other all the time. They're all super insecure, and so they're always just cutting people down all the time. So me calling it a scarf means that you know I don't I don't need I don't, it's not even a good kafia. It's a shitty kafia. Obviously, I know it's called kafia. Now you do. No, in his mind, he, I knew it back then too. Oh, I was I calling it a scarf because it's a cheap-looking kafia. But you were—you were just trying to be a nice guy. You were inquisitive, was, trying to give, trying to give a compliment. Exactly. Yeah. See, this is like when when I'm still early in New York. This, these are the listeners. These are the little ways that New York toughens you up and beats you down. So he teaches you to not compliment anyone ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> I just keep that to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Have your little inner dialogue. Nice scarf, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, well, I'll get to the the um, the main event, which is the the, the, <laughs> the story I teased in the last episode, the hundred dollar bill story. Oh, all right. Also involves my apartment, uh, my apartment building. Um, so I was, uh, I was just leaving my apartment to go out for the evening a couple weeks ago, and I'm going down the stairs, um, very narrow hallways, um, very narrow stairs, and yeah, sure. there's two units on each floor, one at each end of the hallway. Um, so I'm going down. So the and I should say the street level 
doesn't have any units. So you go in, when you're coming in the building, you go in and there's a flight of stairs to get to the first floor that has apartments. Right? So right. I'm going down and it's basically, it's those stairs right there. Those first set of stairs. Um, and I'm looking down at the ground because I'm going, you know, I'm going down the stairs and I see what it's clearly um, some kind of dollar bill, some denomination. I'm like, oh, it looks like a $1 bill. I, I bend out and pick it up. I see, oh, shit, it's a $100 bill just laying there. Mm-hmm. It's folded up, folded up nicely, like evenly right in the middle. So I'm like, oh, shit, this must have just fallen out of somebody's pocket when they were coming up. So I look around. Like, I hadn't seen anyone as I was going down the stairs. No one crossed my path. And it was, like, in the middle of the steps. So it's not like it was, like, right outside of, like, the, say, the first door in my apartment. In my apartment building. So I went up. Actually, I, had, I just looked around. And I waited around for a little while to see if anyone was going to come running down to try to get it. I, I'd say I waited eh, a good two minutes. Just sitting there. Holding the dollar, uh, holding the hundred Holding it, now. holding it, looking. Well, at this point, I was inspecting it because it wasn't one of the super new $100 bills that's, like, got shades of blue in it. And I, I want to say, like, orange, maybe. And it's, like, all decked out and fancy uh, with anti-counterfeiting stuff. But it was, like, a big head, um, the big face, uh, Franklin. Um, it looked, it looked like it was a little too bright. So I, so I was, half of me was thinking like, oh, this is a fake. This is clearly some kind of fake. And I was looking around and then I'm like thinking like, are there hidden cameras around? Is this a setup? Oh, like you're on, uh, some sort of like candid camera or something. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is kind of crazy. Um, so anyway, I waited and no one came. I was thinking of, like, should I go knock on some doors? But then I'm like, okay, if I knock on a door. Wait, wait, wait. You were going to knock on doors? Just like the first door, like the like the first apartment and say, hey, did you drop a $100 bill if anyone answered? Okay. I mean, that's, I, that's, I mean, that's very nice of you. I mean, I, I, I don't. The thought, the thought. I know you didn't yeah. do it, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say. It's even even just thinking about <laughs> even just thinking about doing that. Like most, I, was, well, that I, was would, like, I don't look, think that would come into everyone's mind. You know. I mean, I was like, look, you know, losing like a hundred dollar bill. That's that's no for most people. That's no joke. That's like, fuck, my whole weekend could be off for that. Right. Or even more. You know, like I grew, I grew up pretty poor. Like I know about like that. That will throw off your whole. That could, for some people that could throw off your whole week. That's a huge, huge problem. Um, not for everybody. Um, and I, I don't know anyone in my building that well, but I see them in the hallway across paths, so I recognize people. So, you know, you know, knocking on a door, asking whatever. I'm not just gonna walk on, knock on every door. Certainly, if it's the first one, they say no, we didn't lose anything. I, you know, then it's finders keepers. I mean, it turned out it was finders keepers, but. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, I was, I was debating what to do. I didn't use it that night. And I was like, you know, is there a way to determine if this is fake? Should I use this? Should yeah, I wait so why, around? Why were you scared about it being counterfeit? 
it just kind of felt a little weird. Like the paper didn't feel quite like dollar bill paper. And it was, it seemed like a little too bright. Hmm. And so I know you, you like, yeah. So then I was a little paranoid. Um, I remember, cause I remember one time the only experience I've had with counterfeit money, apparently, apparently real counterfeit money is yeah. I went to, um, uh, a Chian location and it's like a noodle shop, a Chinese okay. noodle chain in the city. And I was paying for something there with a 10 and the guy checked it with like, I, don't know, I think he held it up to the light. Cause even like new tens, like have the stuff in and he's like, no, it's fake. So like, the cashier, <sighs> the cashier wouldn't take it. They gave it back, and, or they just confiscated it. <laughs> he gave it back. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I would have done if he confiscated it. That'd be crazy. <laughs> I don't know what's, what would he do. Send it to the FBI. Secret Send it to the FBI, probably. Yeah, Secret Service. They press that Secret Service button underneath the register. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think you suggested that I should. Um, so I texted you oh, about yeah. it. I, I suggested you just deposit it at the ATM or something. Right. My, so my concern there is if it is fake, then the authorities have it already. Like if I if I go to a bodega or like a noodle shop and they'll, they'll just say, oh, no, it's fake. We can't use it. Do you have any other bills? If it's with a bank, like I, they, I don't know if, if they're obligated to report receiving a fake bill. Uh, and they then probably it's, are. And then my name's attached to it because of the ATM record. So I just didn't, I didn't want to, it probably would have worked, but I just didn't want to risk it. Mm. So, you know, I went out, I think I asked some people that night what to do with it. And they were like, I don't know, try to spend it here. And I was like, nah, I don't know. It's like, I, I like this bar. I don't want to, I don't want to put them in an awkward position. I don't know if bars even take hundred dollar bills. Like I, I, I've like I don't know if I've ever. You, spent you don't know if bars bill. take hundred dollar bills. <laughs> they might not. I don't know. Have you ever? Well, let me ask you this: Have you ever spent a hundred dollar bill you know, out in the city? Hmm. Since you've been in New York. Uh, uh no. I have not. Yeah. I don't think I have either. I usually uh yeah no. I really it's, don't have hundred dollar bills. Yeah, I mean the ATMs will sometimes give them out, um, or if you go to the bank, like a teller will will ask you, or or sometimes just give you a hundred dollar bills. And, um, but I usually would be will just say no. Anyway, I don't think I have either. And so it's a new scenario for me. Right. And I was concerned, and I was legitimately concerned that it was fake. That's the big thing. If I get a $100 bill from an ATM, I know it's real. It's no problem. And what are the other – you showed it to other people and they thought it was fake too? No, they – most people – some people were basically like 50-50. Like, okay. Some people were like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It does seem a little bright. Some people were like, oh, uh, no. Like if you looked at – if you looked at it, uh, it had the hologram. So it had some technology. So if you, if you hold up a real $100 bill to the light – and you look just to the right of Franklin's face. Okay. You can see like a sort of an image of Benjamin Franklin. And so I actually tried this. And this is another reason why I thought it was fake. I tried it. I could see an image of 
Benjamin Franklin, but it looked like he was doing something weird with his mouth, like sticking out his tongue or something. Oh, God. <laughs> so, he was, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know what to say to that. So, <laughs> he was doing, he wasn't sticking out his tongue, but he was doing something weird with his mouth and his eyes. Oh, weird. boy. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 I think a couple of days later, I went to another uh, gathering, friend, like a going away party at a bar. And I was telling one of my comedy buddies about this, and I showed him, and he was like, "Dude, this is this is real, or it looks real enough that you can use it." Like he wasn't at all concerned, and he found it pretty funny that I was so concerned. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I, um, I agree with with that uh, with that opinion. Yeah, and so he's like, "Okay, if you're so worried about it that being fake, tell you what, I'll give you forty bucks for it." <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty good yeah i was like i was like that is pretty hilarious and i was like shit i, I was actually considering it because i was so unsure like i i asked i probably asked like four or five people if they thought it was real and again i'd say probably if i asked five like two of them said i don't know they none, oh. no one said it was definitely fake but some said i, I don't know Okay. All right. So, so you're still, still just carrying this around in your pocket. Still carrying gathering, around. Gathering opinions on it. Not doing sure some, if you can spend it. <laughs> doing some focus group testing. Yep. So, fine. Uh, so, like, I left that place not still no, none the wiser. I was able to talk my friend up to $80. He's like, I'll, get, I'll give you $80 for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost did it. Just, just to save the hassle of worrying about this shit anymore. Yeah, for your own peace of mind. Exactly. Um, and but I didn't do it, and we went to another bar after, and that bar I noticed as as I was ordering my drink, they had one. They had some machine specifically to test dollar bills. Like it was, um, it was. It looked like some sort of scanner that you basically. It had a bright white light, and you put. You put the bill up to it, um, and they're able to... Actually, you know what? I bet this was... Okay. It was a machine for this, but it was sort of like a din dank and dingy bar with not a lot of light. So I, I think it was a light to mimic, like, holding it up to, like, a bright light. Oh, okay. So, because, gotcha. yeah, this place was really kind of kind of grimy. So... Um, so she did that and she's like, look, it looks good enough for me. Like I would, I would accept it if you wanted to pay for something with it. So finally, <laughs> finally, that was the piece of mind I needed. She got, she got the, the machine world involved. Uh, and said, I will, I will accept it. She got modern engineering involved. <laughs> and finally I had my peace of mind. I still didn't use it there. Um, but uh, on my way home, I used. But it you just to, felt confident. You felt confident enough. finally, and I still not still not confident enough to put it in my ATM. Um, but I did uh, take heed to what someone told me uh, during this whole investigation, which was you should use it to buy something you wouldn't otherwise. And I happened to pass by a liquor store on my way home, and I noticed they had one of the Game of Thrones branded um white walker johnny walker yeah bottles of whiskey 
um, that uh, listeners can find. We a photo got that of. nice callback. We got that callback. Exactly. There's a photo of it on the Instagram account. Um, and uh, yeah, it was 50 bu- I think it was 50 bucks. So I bought that. Um, the, those are, it's pretty cool too, because the, the, it's sort of, it's a bottle whiskey that's wrapped in this special kind of paper or material that when you put it in the freezer, um, these words appear on it that don't appear normally in like icy. Blue, how do you icy, know that? Well, how'd you know to put it? How'd you know? Did it say have instructions or something? Uh, it didn't. Uh, uh, someone, I was, I told someone that I got it and they, they knew about it somehow. So they told me, put it in the freezer and these words show up. And the words that show up are winter is coming, of course. Um, huh. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah, I don't know. This material that it's in, it, it feels, it doesn't feel like regular, like it feels weird. So I knew something was up. See, look at you. See, it all paid off. It did. All for how long? How long did that saga last to you? Like uh, two weeks? You're walking around. Two weeks, with that? about two weeks. Yeah, two okay. weeks. It's, it's, yeah, this, That's not bad. Yeah, this like crow on my shoulder, three eyed crow on my shoulder, just like just couldn't. Always thinking about it. Always being concerned that it's going to fall out of my pocket. <laughs> Someone else is going to. So you were just walking around with that in your pocket? I had it in, my, I had it in my, my back left pocket, in my jeans, yeah. And then just showing it to people every now and then. You're like, hey, man. What do you I would, yeah. I would, I would kind of pull I – would, I wouldn't even preface it by, like, explaining the story. I would just pull it out, show it to them, be like, hey, look at this. People would be like, oh, $100 bill. And then i tell them the story. <laughs> oh, $100 bill, great. Yeah. No. Well, this one of the anyone. one of the guys in, in the there was a bunch of comedy people at at the this going away, and uh, one of the guys is like, "Yeah, well, that is a pretty good conversation starter." You know, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> what is this? Um, um, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 it's a good conversation starter, but now it's done. Yeah. No more no, dollar no stories. More. And nobody, I mean, no one in your building was like put up a sign. It was like, you see, that's, did you guys find my hundred dollar bill? Let me right. know. That was another thing. Um, that's another reason why I held on to it for me for like that first week, is because I was wondering if someone would put up a sign in the building saying, "Hey, if anyone found a hundred dollar bill, you know, yeah, call this number." Um, but no one did. Uh, it's fair and that's as fair and square as it gets for for the finders keepers rules. I think. <laughs> I think so too. I mean, you had, you you found it in a public space, common. Uh-huh. Well, no, I guess not public, but common area. And yeah. uh, I mean, you you did your little wait waiting game for five minutes, yeah. and then you held on to it in case you know in case somebody put up some notification or maybe they came knocking on doors <laughs> and they <laughs> yeah. find a hundred dollar bill. Um, yeah. Did you do diligence making sure it was? <laughs> Making, making sure you know it wasn't counterfeit currency. Yeah, and uh, they they spent it. So you think you would have just like spent it right away, like no compunction if it seems real? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. But what would you have spent it on? 
Just like a, I don't, like a restaurant? I don't know. Well, I probably... Um, like a Dwayne Reed, if you're getting your toilet I honestly most likely would have deposited it because I don't like dealing with $100 bills. Like like you said, like places get weird with $100 bills. Oh, right. I, I don't have... I've seen it happen. I've never like had that happen to me. Oh, no, I can't break that. I don't have change. Oh, no, we don't... We're not taking any bills over $50 bills. And, you know, like random stuff like that. Right. So I probably would have just deposited the $100. Right. Okay. Um, well, let's, let's segue talking about illicit money. It's a good segue into, uh, this week's conspiracy segment. Um, so you, oh, you don't, you didn't have a trifling, right? Before. No, I didn't have a trifling. No. Okay. Next time. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to keep better notes. <laughs> Pull that notes app. It's right there. It's always, always at hand. <laughs> it is. It's true. So this week, uh, you uh, sent me the the link to um, a recent ESPN article um, on the the big uh, NBA referee gambling scandal involving former NBA um, referee Tim Donaghy. Um, and just a base little bit of background for the listeners who may not be familiar. Uh, he was a referee who'd worked in the NBA for about five years, I believe. Um, and in, in 2007, um, he was basically busted by the FBI for gambling on games uh, in which he had been a, he had been a ref. And um, this was a huge scandal um, for the NBA, um, and who, I mean. The NBA had has had questions about various legitimacy issues or, or conspiracy. Well, they haven't really had many, right? I mean, there's I the. I don't really think so. There's the NBA draft, uh, nineteen eighty five oh, right. NBA draft conspiracy when the frozen uh, envelope business. Yeah, the frozen envelope, which we discussed in a, on an early episode. Um. But actually, now that I think about it, they haven't really had any scandals around legitimacy of games, and it's obviously something that no what sports league wants. It's it's you know it could destroy a, a franchise if you know people if the general public believes oh all the games are fixed, right, right, and so and in this case, the FBI now this this is a very clear distinction, the FBI was was doing um, basically a, one of their many investigations into the New York mob. And obviously that would include gambling rackets. And through that investigation, they heard about this guy who was a legit NBA ref who was providing tips to gamblers that he claims was just based on inside info that the refs get that other people wouldn't know. And like on, on player issues that are going on, um, you know, other rough issues, it's just a general inside info. He was saying that, uh, and he admitted to this, to this piece that he was sharing inside info with a guy connected to gambling rackets in the New York area. And that, um, the, these were on games that he refed. Now he claimed back then he insisted, and he still claims to this day that he never altered or changed calls that he wouldn't have otherwise in order to um, 
to elicit a, a specific result. Um, that is in, in, in gambling, you know, people, you can bet on who wins and who loses, but the, the more common bet is to bet on by how many points the team that's expected to win, uh, will win by, right? Yeah. That's, that's called spread the point spread and it's called spread betting. Um, that I'm, I'm still not totally, um, there's all this. Honestly, that stuff was like confused kind of confusing i had no idea that like betting was that complicated yeah there's a lot of jargon around it because i think it, i think the deal is in most games you usually know who's going to win or in i in say maybe 60 to 75 percent of all games in all professional leagues you usually know who's going to win there's usually a better team so it's not that interesting just to, to bet or not worth it for for betting books to to take gambles on which teams just which team's going to win it's more per, like it's it's more lucrative to take bets on this specifically how much how many points they're going to win by um so anyway the, just, just to finish this summary uh espn writer um that fuck i, should, I really should credit him for this because he did a ton of work um so he did an exhaustive um, I believe two year long, um, investigation. Uh, it's, I believe this, so this, this happened in 2007 when all the shit went down. So at the 10 year anniversary of that, which was 2017, he did, he and ESPN decided to do a really exhaustive investigation into it. Um, and to see if basically to see if there was any new information that hadn't been released previously and to, to really tell the story of how this all went down. Is that, is that your take on it? Yeah. The overall thing? No, I, th- I, th- <clears throat> I think that's accurate summary. I mean, the guy, it was, a, it was a good article. They did. I mean, ESPN put a lot of time into this. Got um, all the status, statisticians involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was done by Scott Eden. There you go. That name sounds familiar. Oh, does it? When you said it, I didn't even realize. Mm, I got to look into it. So basically, but, this, uh, yeah. this, um, basically, it, 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 his story sort of centers around these, these guys, this, Tim Donaghy, and then two of two of his buddies, who his buddies were more involved in in gambling in a serious way. Like they were basically professional gamblers essentially. Right. Yeah. They were like professional gamblers, bookies. Like that was, that was what they did. And they weren't in, they weren't in the mob at all, but they were, they were like us go betweens basically between regular people who wanted to gamble. They were, they were essentially bookies. Um, God, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be displaying like a lot of ignorance about the gambling world because I don't I don't know really gamble. Me at all. too. When I when I was reading it, I was like, wow, holy shit! I didn't I didn't know that like it seemed like so official when they were talking about oh yeah you you put all this money in to one way you can change the line and then you move your money back to the other way. I was man, that shit. Yeah. Well, I was let's like, oh. <clears throat> let, let me let me cut to like the the really juicy bits. Of this of the story and the really intriguing stuff around that's that's sort of conspiracy because the key the key point here is that with Gon Donaghy is that he said 
he never influenced the game, but like, like that is, he was betting on games that, that he refed, but he was just saying, Hey, I know X, Y, Z about so-and-so like he was saying, no, I was still uh, a referee. Like I would call the calls as I saw them basically. And I would, wouldn't make calls because in the NBA, essentially the thought is refs can influence a game by calling fouls on players because you call a foul the on a one player the opposing team's player gets to shoot um free throws um free throws are very high percentage shooters most nba players can they're almost a sure thing like a guaranteed point that they would get as opposed to putting up a regular shot which is a lot lower percentage something like would you say like the the standard nba player can shoot free throws with like 80 percent success like 70 to 80 um, yeah, I would give 70 to 80. And then for a free throw and a, and a, a general in the flow of the game shot, you're, go, you're down more to like 40%. Right. For a standard player. So, like, it's, it's big. Like, if you call a lot of free throws in, towards the end of a game, or sorry, a lot of fouls, then on, a, on one team, if you call more fouls on one team than the other in a significant way, you can impact a game and get not only get the team that you want to win, but, but to win by a certain number of points. Right. And you can, in addition to the free throws, you can also um, have an impact on which players are in the game. Right. You know? That's it. Oh yeah. That's so, the other thing. So yeah, that was the other thing he was calling. He would like target. What did he say? At one point he said, target the big center or like the team star player, get them in foul trouble, eliminate them, you know, force the coach to take them out of the game. Mm-hmm. Because and that, that would help with the with the spread. Yeah, and another rule in general NBA rule is if you if a play, one player gets six fouls called on him, he's taken out of the game uh, completely. So if you call two fouls on a player in the first few minutes, um, say it's a good player, um, the coach will usually bench them for a while um, because they don't want to risk. That usually they they want to make sure they they have their players towards the end of the game. Um, and they don't want to risk a player fouling out by getting six fouls, say, in, in the er- early third quarter or something. Right. So all these things can impact the game. Tim Donaghy claims that he never made any calls specifically to affect the point spread or to, to manipulate the outcome of game. Now, this article, essentially, it, even though they don't come out right out and say it, they say, they're saying that that's bullshit. He almost certainly was calling fouls, et cetera, in order to impact a game that he bet on and that he eventually won. And they go really go into a lot of the stats, but basically what they found is like it would be almost impossible or very unlikely for him to win as much as he did. Like he was winning about 70% of his bets. Yeah. Or the, the, the tips that he passed along won about 70% of the time. And I know that with most gamblers, uh, at least from the professional poker playing world, if I read some articles a long time ago that basically if you're like professional gambler, gamblers, like top tier, like this is the, what they do and they make hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars a year on it, they win at about 50%, 57% of the time. So that's top tier, someone who devotes their life to gambling. So to win at 70% is something's got to be off. Almost certainly, right? Exactly. Yeah, something has absolutely got to be off. And I mean, it's, even though in the article, I mean, Donaghy never admitted to any of it. And they really, you couldn't, 
that's not something you can um, improve unless somebody admits to it. I mean, even with these, I guess, some somewhat blatant calls, it's like, why did he make that call? But all the gamblers that they interviewed, they're like, yeah, you, did you see the game? Like, yeah. It's obvious. You see, you see the game. You see the box score. You see the stats. You, you see what he's doing. Like, and yeah, yeah that's like, yeah, obviously he's manipulating, manipulating the line. See, he's not, which I guess is, I guess his thing was that he wasn't like, ultimately he wasn't like affecting who won or lost. It was just all about the line. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's a key point. It was to make sure that, well, the thing is he, he would sort of, because he was telling people whether or not a, a team was going to cover. So he would know the line and he would tell people whether or not they were going to cover the spread. I think that was it, whether they were. Right. And so, yes, that's a key point. All the gamblers were just like, yeah, of course he's, he's fixing the games for us. Um, I, in doing some research um, outside of the article, I did find that um, although the FBI could not prove that he was intentionally doing it. And I guess it's a sort of thing where it's like, yeah, he would have to, I guess in all the recorded, you know, wiretaps or whatever, or the FBI's review of like communications between Donaghy and these book, bookie go-betweens, he never outright said, I'm fixing these games. He was careful to never say that. And he never said it in his testimony. And it, so then it comes down to, well, it's assuming a mind state of him. Like only he knows whether or not he was doing it because there's no proof. So what I did find is that if he were to admit that he was doing it, he would still be could potentially be uh, brought up on state charges. Uh, so he okay. was brought up in fed charges before and he served time for that. He did eventually serve, I, I believe uh, three years. Um, and, but if he admits that, yes, I was, so that's why he's, that's why I think he, he's never admitted to it. It's just because he knows he could be brought up in more charges at gotcha. the state level. That, is, so, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So that's one key part is that of this article is that it, it basically paints, says, says it without saying it, that yes, he was, he was manipulating the games. A, a second point that I keyed in on is like, is that he didn't seem to realize how much money he could have made on this. <laughs> because I, 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 I was laughing to myself about that too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because he is. So basically because he was providing this info to bookies who were like connected in the gambling world, they were, <clears throat> they were taking it. Like if, if you know with 70% certainty, what's going to happen, that's almost like, that's that, that's effectively like a hundred percent certainty in this gambling world. So this guy, these guys that were connected, they were to like, they were taking that info and running with it. Cause they, so basically they were betting huge amounts of money for themselves, for other clients. Um, and at multiple sports books. Right. Right. They, and so it was incredibly profitable. Yes. It was very lucrative. And, and I believe the article said that this was going on from 2003 to 2007. So this is an NBA in the NBA. There are, you know, each team plays 82 games, but that means that, you know, and, and not so Donaghy obviously wasn't working every game, but saying, say he was roughing, you know, two games a week, 
that's you know what is the NBA so the seasons go from like November to eight say just a regular season is November to April that's five months if he's doing two games a week that's five months is 20 weeks so it's 40 games times four years that's 160 games okay roughly so say there's 150 games out there that you know with exact cert with basically certainty that you know the outcome of the spread i, I mean it's like the, the, it's so so valuable so yeah. valuable so the yeah. article sorry yeah. go ahead no 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 go go the article said that because essentially word got out that there was a golden goose and so over the course of years that the Tim Donaghy games were generating say an overall market of hundreds of millions of dollars um, through various sports betting, people getting involved, the bets that they were taking. So even though there was a circle of like only three people, the knock on effect from what they were doing and word getting out and people just figuring it out by analyzing sports betting data um, was in the hundreds of millions. And apparently Donaghy was like he was only he would only bet like a couple thousand here and there and this bookie guy was giving him like bonuses essentially of a couple thousand dollars oh no no actually sorry let me let me back up the bookie was giving him a fee of two thousand dollars for the games that he called correctly is that what you remember you said two thousand two thousand yeah that that's what I, I think it got raised at some point but yeah. um their agreement was 2000 and then with the guy that he was working with before that his friend i don't even think his friend was giving him anything right right or maybe yeah. like a little bit because then donaghy got pissed off about that it's like that's right like, so that's how the that second guy was guy... making so much money and he didn't give me anything <laughs> well that's the thing so yes yeah, so the, he was donaghy was first doing this for a friend who wasn't giving him any kind of fee. He was just, I think, taking Donaghy's bets or something oh, right. like that. Yeah, it was something but, like that. But, but right. then the so second now... guy got wind of it, this guy Batista, and he mm -hmm. was like, well, shit, Donaghy, your friend's screwing you over. Tell you what, you bet you bet through me, I'll give you t an extra just $2,000, just a fee, just the cost of doing business. And I think the first time it came through, he gave him an extra three grand. Just, yeah, that's that's for you, buddy. You spend that, go spend that on something you wouldn't otherwise. <laughs> so he was, but he, but even he was screwing him over because this guy was making way more money and making money for other people. I think that's that's the key thing. And so this was all eventually, like eventually the mob got wind of it, and they, and then that's how the FBI got wind of it. Yeah, it was. Um... So, <laughs> sorry, good. And then, I don't know, then when you wanted to go, when the FBI went to David yeah. Stern and the NBA. <laughs> so this is, and this is the real conspiracy part because essentially the the theory. So Dim Donaghy later said, "Well, let me let me do that. Let me just give the background first. So the FBI, it, when they realized what was going on, they, I believe, they went to Donaghy." Um, or they, they I, I, I'm blanking on the timeline, but essentially they, yeah, so they had Donaghy. They basically had busted him. He knew Jake was up. They, at the same time, roughly the same time, they went to the NBA and said, hey, heads up, we're doing this investigation on your guy Donaghy. 
Um, they but they wanted Donaghy to wear a wire <clears throat> to see if he could maybe um, basically to, to get an idea of how far this reached. Like, if are there other refs who are doing this? Um, yeah. Are there other refs who are influencing the game in other ways that we haven't considered? But because so they went to the NBA and only a couple days later, um, the New York Post citing unnamed sources, I believe, um, went to press with and, and sort of blew, you know, notified the world that this was going on, that Donahue was a target. And so because of that, the NBA or the FBI, sorry, FBI never had a chance to to wire him up, to, to have him go undercover or to do a further investigation. Like, so as soon as you expose the world to this investigation, um, people are going to, you know, obviously just... Uh, you know, close up shop, as it were, or shut down. You're not going to get anything out of anybody that you want. Right, yeah. And they, missed, the, they missed their opportunity. The conspiracy here is twofold. It's that the NBA never admits to it, to leaking this to, to um, the New York Post, but many people success, suspect that they did, and because they knew that that would effectively shut down the operation. And the really key conspiracy to this is that <clears throat> Donaghy... Uh, admitted to what people long suspected about the NBA, which is that, in, so Donaghy says that the league, NBA higher-ups, NBA ad, admin, administration, we'll say, would frequently want certain outcomes to certain games, especially in the playoffs. They want high-profile teams to play in the playoffs to um, juice up NBA ratings, TV ratings. And so through their referees, which referees are essentially a part of NBA management, they basically tell the refs, not in so many words and not explicitly, hey, we want the Lakers to, to beat the Sacramento Kings, essentially. And this is something people have long suspected about the NBA. Tim Donaghy basically said, yes, this is happening. This is what we do or what the NBA does. And he cited... Um, uh, game six of the 2002 Western Conference Finals between the Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers, and the Sacramento Kings, and this is a um, uh, this is a game that a lot of NBA fans key in on uh, when talking about this sort of thing because there was a very suspiciously high amount of fouls that were called against the Kings, uh, who were from again playing Sacramento. Sacramento, very small market, fan base is presumably pretty small compared to the flashy uh, Kobe, Bryant, Shaq-led uh, Lakers, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Donaghy said uh, in sworn testimony uh, that was delivered through his lawyer that, yes, that's, that game, that was one of the games where the NBA um, said, we got to make sure the, the Lakers win because they were on the verge of being out of the playoffs altogether if they lost that game. Right. That, yeah, that was their elimination game. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. But well, he, let me, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, what I was going to do is like we, to set up our conclusion, there's, there's, I guess, two key conspiracies here that I, I think we should both give our take on whether or not, on what side of the conspiracy we fall on. The first conspiracy question is, was Donaghy intentionally miscalling games to affect the point spread? On games he was betting, and others. What do you think? I, th yes I no? think I think absolutely yes. 
Okay. I mean, at, um, the, at the end, at the end, he didn't. Mm. No, he. Dang. I, let me look. See if I can find it. Now, his his fee. He was only getting that if if it, if they won. If his, if the pick if, won. If his or call was accurate, that was automatic. Yes. No, it wasn't okay. automatic. It was only if his call won, which apparently yeah. it did seventy percent of the time. I mean, I think he was manipulating the calls to to get the result that he wanted to get. Right. Um, yeah, uh, I, w- I would agree with that too. Um, I, I I don't have the the mathematics uh, expertise to um, really get into a lot of detail here on es on um, what ESPN reported was their their methodology for analyzing the data. But they did summarize it pretty well, and they said, essentially, I think the likelihood that he wasn't manipulating games was something like 1 in 6,000. Like, a, there's only a 1 in 6,000 chance that he wasn't manipulating it, basically. Right. And it was, it was something like that. So, um, yeah, if I, if I had to, to come down on, on a decision whether or not he manipulated I, I think almost certainly um i no, I'm, I'm saying i'm gonna say in my opinion yes he he was definitely manipulating him it's it's his 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 excuse of no i was just using inside info like i would know that a, a player was having a bad day or that you know like his his excuse yeah that's basically what his excuse boils down to mm-hmm. it's like no i was i hey look yeah i was gambling cuz i have a gambling addiction but other than that i'm completely above board and like i only call him like a cm like that betrays like there there's some some step here that's <laughs> that doesn't work you're not you're not a alter boy you know mr ned flanders over here that's that's the line in all the other aspects awesome. but then also involved in this gambling dirt like and also your excuse doesn't make any sense. Like injury reports get out to the, to the world. Like injury, there's injury reports. If you're saying like, I know that like, you know, Kobe has the flu and so he's not going to be playing so well. So let me extrapolate that. Is there seven point spread? Okay. No, they're not going to like, it doesn't make any sense. You can't know that you can't know that because some player, is having a bad day that okay well they're gonna win by less than seven points it doesn't make any sense no that yeah his his insider information argument that doesn't work i mean it would only i would only see that working on the instances where he he made bets on games that he wasn't officiating maybe okay yeah. like because he, he would know the other officials like he would have i guess that sort of knowledge i think he did but, say yeah, I know other officials' tendencies. I think, right. I think is what he said. Like this guy doesn't, or this this official has beef with Shaq, and so he's he's going to call more fouls on him. But still, like it's you the success rate. That's the key thing. Is like being right seventy percent of the time. It's it's impossible. It's too much. Yeah, that that's that's what they kept going back to. It was like no, like nobody wins this much. Yeah without you know having some kind of influence yeah and and so the other the other conspiracy question is and this is the the more interesting one i think um did did the nba have a policy like a, a policy 
of telling refs to influence games purposely for specific results. Now that that I think is a little tricky one or trickier question because although I mean although it looks like you know there is that period like the NBA was is is now huge money maker their their contracts with TV channels I think gener- like they're paid billions of dollars like multiple billions of dollars a year um, by by the TV channels that that. Um, that broadcast their games, but back in even the early aughts, it was in like the, it wasn't in the tens of millions, but it was the low hundreds of millions. Like they, they weren't huge, you know, football and baseball were huge back then. So my point is they're still growing and they knew that. And so I say all that to say it's not out of the question, like them wanting you know, a New Jersey Nets versus Los Angeles Lakers final, which did happen uh, in 2002, versus a New Jersey Nets-Sacramento Kings final. You know, they could see that. There had been recently, yeah. just a few years before that, the, the San Antonio Spurs were the, were in the finals, and I believe the ratings were, were pretty low for that. I think in 1999... Oh, that was Spurs-Pistons final? Spurs... Was it Spurs-Pistons or Spurs-Pacers, maybe? I think it was Pistons. That shit was Pistons. incredibly boring. Yeah, that was 2005. So that was 2005, Spurs-Pistons. Um, let me look it up. The 1999 before before the the Lakers three peat, um, because you know Shaq and Kobe were huge high profile players. Right? Who wouldn't who wouldn't want you know you? <coughs> excuse me. It was Spurs. They would Knicks. want that. They would want them like Shaq, Shaq, Kobe in the finals. L.A. You know, large market team in the finals. Showtime Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Versus little rinky-dink Sacramento with, you know, crumbling infrastructure and, you know, not even like, not even North California. Like, they're like Central Valley, California, which is in the middle of nowhere, in, in the middle of the desert. It's bleak, it's bleak. You see, you drive around, you see, like, dirty children running around, torn clothes. Crying. They don't want that. They don't want that on the TV. They don't want images of that. They don't want like, you know, who they gonna like, who the king's gonna have sitting on the sidelines? Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be dir- <laughs> dirty, bumble like dirty young people in dirty scarves that they got secondhand and they think are classy kafias. Gonna see a lot of people <laughs> classy, in like classy a lot of people in dingy sweatpants and like t-shirts with i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> basically to to the nba higher up sacramento is viewed as too dingy and not a money maker and so anyway if i had to say if i have to say yes or no did the nba was the nba did the nba have a policy of telling refs to influence games to get certain results for better ratings uh in my opinion yes they were tim dionagy said as much I mean, my, my read on Tim Gionaghi is that he is, he's probably has a gambling addiction. He, he did a little here and there. He knew he shouldn't have been betting on his own games and he just, but he did. And he got in over his head. 
because once you know you you dealing with so there's so once you get involved so, so there's an angle to this that is only briefly touched on that Donaghy might have been threatened um, oh yeah they did to, say to that keep keep this up keep these picks going you know Batista is Donaghy says that Batista told him you know you don't want someone from New York showing up at, at your door the implication mm-hmm. being that the New York mob will fuck you up if you don't keep this golden goose if you if you don't keep laying golden eggs gold, Mr. Golden Goose basically now Batista denies that he ever said that he said that Donaghy was really into it and he's the one who kind of pressured him that sounds like bullshit um because that does. Batista, Batista is vaguely he's if he's not one step away from from mafia connections he's only two or three yeah I mean Batista was the one with the in about everything yeah. yeah he's the guy who basically looped in a bunch of other people or through his actions or through his deep his is his actions in the sports gambling world or you know just telling people about it he broadened the scope of, of the gambling ring quite a bit according to the article so do i i mean donaghy said that look donaghy said straight up yes they did have this policy i don't know what do you think what do you come down on that um i don't know like i i i definitely see the angle of yeah wanting wanting certain teams to be to be playing in the finals and they could have the power to influence i sort of find it hard to believe that they that they would use that but at the same time you know they definitely did their best to shut shut down this investigation um, yeah well allegedly i'd say allegedly they allegedly, deny, allegedly. They deny that they leaked it to the post it seems that you know it it is very convenient that the fbi wasn't you know the, that that leak to the post basically prevented the sbi from digging deeper into what the refs were doing and what they knew like they, like I mean, they there, was, there was i mean i think that um and then when the article was talking about the questioning of other referees that essentially everyone was you know just doing the company line. Mm-hmm. Like, no, he's, he's a great ref. I don't know anything about that. No, like it's, it's like, the same yeah, they would say, lines. as far as I knew, he was a good ref. I didn't know anything yeah. about this. Yeah. They all said, I don't know. I, didn't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. He's a great ref, great ref, great ref, great ref. Exactly. But then they interviewed like, those people like Amigos track. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, like that Migos track. Great I, don't ref. I don't know. I don't know. Great I don't know. Ref. I don't know. I don't know. Great ref. Great ref. Great ref. <laughs> So, so maybe, and I mean, and it's not, I mean, and it's easy to do to, to, you know, it's a small, small manipulations, just some little small things, small little nudge here, a call here, a no call there, mm-hmm. change the whole outcome, you know, yep. a foul. Oh, that's six fouls on Shaq. See you later. Yeah. Sorry, Shaq. You fouled out of the game. Yeah. So, yeah. so, okay. I so guess you- I'll, I'm going to agree and say yes. Oh. <laughs> you seem, yeah. You see, I mean, is it? Are you hesitant because you you don't like the thought that the integrity of the of the league, which you know, you're a basketball player, you love watching the NBA, something you've enjoyed for so long, could be could be at stake. I mean, the implication of this 
is that if one of the biggest leagues in biggest money generator leagues is essentially compromised, like what does that say about other big sports leagues about, you know, sports, sports betting in general? Like, does, it's, you know, sports gambling generates way more billions of dollars than, than it, like official money coming into these leagues. Um, sports gambling worldwide is it's it's in the tri- like i was listening to various podcasts that this author was on um it's like trillions of dollars not billions so if you look oh, at like i had no idea really trillions yeah this guy it's, he said in an interview in a podcast i think it was so he he did an interview with hang up and listen but there's all espn I think I told you they did a podcast where essentially some guy reads the article, but then at the end of that, that guy interviews the author. And I think it's, that's the interview where he said, you know, sports gambling is, is a trillion dollar biz business. So, um, I think if you look like, just look at the money, there's, you know, they say follow the money. I mean, you know, yeah, you'd say like, what? Well, then why would a San Antonio Spurs ever, ever win or ever get to the finals? No one wants to see them. I mean, San Antonio Spurs because of their winning ways and just because they're that they're, they're that well coached and, and that well GM'd, and they lucked into getting Tim Duncan in the draft. Like, they you couldn't. It would be they're that good that they can overcome. You know, any influence the league might assert. You know. I mean, you still see bad matchups, like or matchups from from boring small market teams, especially in the ma- in Major League Baseball. I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think I'm ready to go that far to to where I'd say like pretty much everything is fixed. I don't. But, yeah, I, I I don't think I would go that far either. Where everything is fixed, but, but uh, I would say I, that you know certain certain times they're like, mm, no, we really would rather have this team win. Yeah, I, I th- it'd be interesting if they went back to like these guys who are heavily involved in in sports gambling, and get their opinion on what they think. Because if they're in that world and they're seeing all these high dollar money flowing, like like it's almost like you can't risk that much money. It would it would have to be fixed. But then I don't know because then if one the way the stock market works, or it it, it sort of functions like a stock market because if one if one area gets too much attention it's generating too much money people are going to start investigating it and it'll get shut down or too many people try to get in on it and something will be like there there is a balance that usually comes eventually you know yeah absolutely like you they're like you know basically like don't make it hot over here like you do do a little bit win win a little bit lose a little bit win more than you lose but don't you know don't make it too much of a of a great thing where it's inviting you know everybody and their mother to come put their money here yeah and i I think batista and his in the crew they did initially want to do that like they did make an effort to try to keep it balanced still ultimately winning but i think once once you have a source that i mean this is basically like the back to the future too book the, the biff guy <laughs> the sports almanac biff getting all, the sports almanac yeah getting all corrupted and like it's 70 percent clip is is too much it's it it's too much it's like have you seen that movie once upon, once upon a time in mexico 
No, I don't think so. So that was so. There's Desperado. It was a sequel to Desperado, basically. Okay. Robert Rodriguez did, and uh, it had Johnny Depp and Antonio Banderas. Johnny Depp's character is like a CIA hitman, and he he had this thing where he's like, whenever I go to Mexico, um, I always get this one dish, and it's at at, at any restaurant that I go to. Oh, a bunch of restaurants. I- did see that yeah, yeah I remember and he's that like aspect, i get yeah. this one dish and i can sort of judge the quality of the restaurant by this one dish and he and he's in a restaurant talking and eating the dish as he's telling the, the guy this story and he says the problem with this place is that their version of this dish is too good it's way too good and it's upsetting the balance <laughs> and so he gets so he's like and so after i finish this i'm gonna go kill the cook because i can't it, this is what i do i i keep the balance steady and so, and he does go in and, and kill the cook right after that. I mean, it's, it's fucked up, but I mean, that, that movie is fucked up in a few different ways, but it's good. It's a good, mm. good fun movie. But well, anyway, the point is, rewatch that. yeah, the point is like, you can't have that much, you know, fuckery without it getting checked, you know? Yeah, now, it, you it, could, exactly. You know, you could make the argument that, you know, Certain tech companies, the big four tech companies, are have seen their futures go up and up and up and up without any stop. Um, maybe there'll be a reckoning for them. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe at some point, everyone's middle name will be Amazon and or like their Amazon account number, and that'll just be. Oh. Uh, that's that's just speculation. That's dark. <laughs> okay. Well, any any. Any further, I do want to get into the zombie escape plan thing, but any anything else on on the Donaghy thing? Um, it's great reporting. No, I, I don't. I don't think there was there was anything else. But just like I don't know, I guess just the idea that if someone really wants to influence, they could. Just it's so easy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, if they, I mean, it could just even be like a ref with a grudge against like a like mm-hmm. an owner of a team or maybe just a coach, you know, and he's like, all right, I'll see, I'll get you next time, you know, <laughs> okay. not even betting like there's hum- if you have the human element, like people are petty at times, people are selfish, you know, people are just incompetent sometimes and they, they still get, you know, they still succeed in business and, you know, um, there's various ways that, that these things could be influenced. I don't know. I I think I think I do think these leagues are a lot dirtier than than we think, and I think we only occasionally get get hints like like the Donaghy thing. I think that was only a glimpse or tip of the iceberg type thing as to what's really going on. I but I think it's it's a lot more complex than just get the Lakers in the finals. Like I I think there's so many probably a lot of competing interests that you know it's still it still kind of balances out. But I think there's a lot of dirt going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. A lot of shady business happening. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of, of shady business and, and dirty people, uh, let's let's close that with our, our zombie escape plan segment. <laughs> dirty, oh, dingy people. Oh man. Um. So this is our segment where we we come up with scenarios um, involving zombies. Um, usually the slow walking zombies from the George Romero, George, George Romero, uh, zombie movies and also the walking dead, um, and see and talk about how we would, we would handle the situations, how we would escape, um, 
Now, as I, as I told you, this one, we're going to flip it up, do something a little bit different. In this version, you're, you have to imagine you're in basically sort of a, like a, I wanted to do more of a gladiator arena type type thing with, with zombies. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but something that'll, that'll make you think and have to strategize. So you're basically in a room about the size of a lot. I said a New York loft. So high ceilings, mm -hmm. um, pretty big room. Um, we'll say, I don't know, 30 feet by 30 feet and no furniture, no nothing. It starts out. You're in one corner just in your regular outfit, say, let's say regular what you wore to work usually. Um, right. So you say you're plucked off the street and you're tossed, you're kidnapped, you're brought to this room. And in the other corner are three zombies, three adult, <laughs> three adult zombies. Oh. Um, and they are just let loose and they're coming. They see you. This room is well lit. And so it's coming towards you, and they're slow moving, so you have some time, and you can sort of move around. Obviously, you can run around. But what do you do? And if you, uh, and you said you said it's empty, right? It's empty, other than you and the three zombies. Um. Well. Hmm. And say I think I would, okay. Say you're yeah. going to be in the room for. Say three hours. Okay. If you can last three hours, they'll let you out. Um, so obviously, you know, you have the choice of trying to kill them, or maybe just out outlast them. Let's let's say let's <laughs> say circles. I'm gonna I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna bump it up to twelve hours. Whoa, twelve. Twelve hours. Yeah. Then you can last I, twelve I would, hours, I then would, we'll let you out. You got to try and kill them. You gotta kill them, man. So you are gonna try to kill them, as opposed to just, yeah. I mean, you, in theory, you could, you wouldn't even have to run. You could just walk around in circles, just around the periphery. I mean, sorry. I, I, if you want me to go first, while well, you think you can, but I'll, I'm gonna kill them. Wanna, okay, you're gonna. So you're just gonna try to kill them because you, because. What do I have? Do I have anything in my pockets? What, whatever you would have as you're leaving, not your bag from your office, but just whatever you would usually have in your pockets: wallet, belt. Keys, pens. Um, I mean, I think that I would have a, to. You keep a pen in your pocket. I do. Your pants Are they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotta be careful. <laughs> I've heard stories. I'm just saying, I've heard stories. <laughs> like what kind of stories? About about poking. Poking my penis. Or other things. What else? My leg? Yeah, okay. The stories about people getting like their balls poked by pens they have in, the, in their pocket. Oh. Alright, I've, I've been okay. I will, okay. I'll, I'll keep you updated. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Alright, anyway. So whatever you have in your pocket. Um, so you can say you got keys, pen, shoes, your belt. Yeah, I, I think what I would have to do, uh, it'd be kind of hard um hmm you can't really sneak up on them since it's bright i think you 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 go and then there's three there's three but I, they're all kind of I walking gotta, at the same pace i gotta knock them all down okay you gotta get them all on the ground 
So they're all in a group. Um, they're all standing well, like, right next to each other as they come. Like they're. Oh, see, this is that's hard though. I'm not gonna take out gonna three. Do, you're gonna do like a, you're gonna sweep the legs, one at a time. But they're all next to each other. So I know. What if I can? I can't sneak. I can't do any sneaking. Maybe I'll do like um like a barrel roll, knock them down, <laughs> and then and then I get up. <laughs> Or maybe if, if, see, okay, I could, I would uh, maybe like play dead, right? Not play dead, but like I'd be on the ground and so then they'd come over to try and bend down to get me, right? Mm -hmm. And then I would, (laughs) (laughs) then I'd get up real fast because they can't move that fast and then smash one's head into the ground and step on it, stomp on him. He's dead, right? Well, what are the others um, doing while while you do they're that? trying to like, get me too but i've I've aligned myself so he's in between us okay so so there's one in the front so trying they're doing kind of like a triangle formation i guess so i i have yeah yeah the triangle formation attack zombie attack uh-huh. um and so i sort of kill him not so wait basically. so wait a minute so you you kick him he's on the ground as soon as you start bashing his head it's gonna Stomp take a little while yeah. they're they're right there they're gonna grab you I know. Start biting. Uh, I, don't, I don't know i was thinking about this since you emailed me it was stressing me out i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do with these what am i gonna do with these zombies i gotta get it i gotta like rip his arm off i gotta get a bone right i need some kind of weapon okay so, so you, you wouldn't try to use your belt gonna, as a weapon or your shoes well, the shoe, right. Well, that was part of my smash in the head is the shoe. Oh, that's right. Right? Okay. Yeah. But um, the belt, I, I guess, what if I, I could tie them up, tie two together with it? My belt's not that big, though. How would I even tie them up? Tie them up? Yeah. I mean, as soon as you grab, like, the wrist to tie it, they're going to reach out and bite you. I know. I don't want to get bit. Um, and they're, they're going to be grabbing, trying to grab towards you, too. And once they get that grab on uh, you. It's an iron grip. It's iron grip. Yep. Um, I mean that. So what? Let me ask you this. Yeah. Why do you feel you need to kill them? Uh, why do I want to walk in circles for twelve hours? Well, because then they—they you guarantee that they won't touch you. I mean, I, I could. Do you what think if you I could get walk tired? For, I don't well, think yeah, I that's could. A question. Do you think you could walk <laughs> at a normal walking pace for twelve hours straight? Just, I don't think so. Right. I mean, you? me, no. <laughs> oh, come on. 12 <laughs> hours of just walking? I mean, let's see, 12 hours. Like, I've walk, if I think, I, in my old work, my old building, I'm trying to think of what the longest I've walked is. And so my old building, I would sometimes walk home from work, and that would take me one hour. Um, and that's through like the streets of Manhattan. So there's some stopping and starting. <clears throat> well, maybe if so, I like, tw- do like some tw- juke moves and then they pile themselves up, you know? Yeah. I don't know. 12 hours. I could probably, if I had, if my life depended on it, I could probably do four to six, I'd say. Okay. So anyway, so what was this juke move thing? And then you'd like trip them up and then they fall down over each other. <laughs> So your main thing is trying to get them to fall down. I because that's the only like if they're all three next to each other, they're in a group. I can't do anything against that. So what do you do? 
you got to try and isolate one. You got to take them on one at a time, I think. Or maybe I push one into the other, knock oh, them both down. Okay. And then take that one one-on-one with the shoe. But even I don't even know how I would push one into the other. I like go from the side, run yeah. at them real fast. Like I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, because in theory, if you just approach them and try to push one, you could maybe get around his arms, but the other two are going to be reaching for your arms at the same time. So as you extend your arms to push, there's a good chance that one of them could grab, reach around, grab your arm. Boom. Right. Man. I mean, oh. if, yeah, if one grabs your arm, you might be able to, like, the thing is, like, they get, they got that rigor mortis grip on you, right? It's going to be next to impossible to get out. Maybe Unless you try like, to rip their arm hard. off. Right, there you go. You rip the arm off. I think that's what you have to do. And then you got to you got to take that zombie bone out of the <laughs> out of the body. <laughs> and then you kill the rest with the zombie bone. <laughs> so you just got to go for the head stabbing with the zombie bone. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, what it, so you don't Okay. Well, before I, I give mine, so what was your, so with the shoe, what would you do with the shoe? You just smack him in the head? Um, I would use that to try to bash the head in. To but get them I, I to mean, fall down? Well, to kill them, to destroy their head. So they're already on the ground before you use the shoe? Well, yeah, that was my, that was my sneak attack. Remember my lay down? Right. right yeah. I, I got to say, I don't, I don't like that idea. <laughs> Because you're already, if you're already on the ground, you've already, like, that's a very vulnerable position to be in with zombies. It is. It's a, it's a risky move. Super risky. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what about the barrel roll thing? Let's go back to that. So you just redo a running <laughs> dive at, and then sort of get into a, are you doing like a somersault or are you trying to do like an actual out like a log type roll? I would do the, the log. Like when you're a kid and you're rolling down a hill. Rolling down a hill. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is hard. I don't even know if that would work. I wouldn't have enough momentum. Yeah, it would be hard because if you're running, you have to change your body around so much that that's going to kill all your momentum. And you're going to, yeah. So you could say you, you start from a log position on the floor and just roll as fast as you can. But I don't think that's going to be enough to, yeah, to knock over. I, I wouldn't risk it's... it being enough to knock over zombies because the risk would be that you you might knock over one, but then it falls on you. And then in falling on you, it's oh, sort of, man, if you're trapped under, oh. wrapped around you, then the other two are right there. They're just going to pounce on you. Mm. you know? yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. No, no. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't. I don't know how what I'm getting out belt? of this. Are you gonna do any like whip them with the belt? Maybe. I mean, what's that gonna do? <laughs> I'm not gonna do anything to a zombie. <laughs> a, a belt? Let's well, get the metal at the end. I I, I guess. You just whip, maybe. Whip. I mean, you got twelve hours. You just just whip. 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 I mean. Maybe you whip. All right, let's do this collaboratively before, because I don't really have any sort of separate strategy. You don't have any strategy. So what? The the whipping wouldn't do anything. Like zombies, they're not going to learn and be like, "Oh, I don't want to get whipped. Let me stay back." So just well, no, I'm saying more like just whip at the knees, at the knees, maybe. 
until you until you break their their knee off or just knock them down. You can knock them down that. Although I guess you got to be pretty close to the yeah. to whip at the knees, the belt. And you, as you're whipping at one, then what are the other two doing? They're coming for you. They're coming for you. Yeah. I mean, again, like getting within like like how long is a belt? Like three feet. So getting within three feet yeah. of them is pretty dangerous because they because they do that lunge right before once they know you're close enough to them they'll they'll lunge at you which gives them a little bit more speed yeah they they yeah and you don't want that i, you I mean of it man yeah you get that like you said you get that zombie grab on you what are you gonna do so you wear you probably you got a button-up shirt are you doing anything with that take it off that'll give you a little bit more what if you tie? Okay, see, you're doing all types of stuff. That's that's true. Unless I like, unless I like put the shirt on their head, then they can't see me. And then one's, oh, one's taking it, okay. and he like, <laughs> he like, and then he stops moving maybe because he can't see. And I don't think that's how it works. But I mean, I don't know if they'd stop moving, but I do think they'd be able to. What do you, how are you putting it on? That you're just kind of tossing it at them. Or are you getting close enough get to do like a, you getting close I think you have to do the, just... do the run, yeah. And then like sort of like be away and like sort of jump. I'm yeah. envisioning myself like jumping and putting it on. But this, mm-hmm. this whole one-on-three scenario that you've come up with is making it real tough. Right. Yeah, one-on-one, you know, you'll probably be fine. You could just pretty easy enough to trip without much danger. And then, and then you could bash... But having the other two to consider, well, yeah. I, I mean, I guess that, would you? The one on. Uh, is there any strategy? You, I mean, you going back to like trying to separate them from each other. Is there anything? I would still like the separation. Maybe if I cover one, then th- th- that would be separated, right? I can get the other two. Mm, maybe, but then what do you? Then you got to deal with two at a time. That's, that's no joke either. No. Um. Well, yeah, what get, do you got? What do you got? Okay, so I've also given this a lot of thought, and it, it has been tough. Um, it's yeah, it's not like I came up like I came up with a scenario first and then try to work. Like I certainly didn't. It's it's diff- more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, but I think um, so. I I basically be jeans and a t shirt, sneakers. Um, I mean, I think you wear like a heavier shoe to to work. I do than, than like a sneaker, so I think I think my main strategy I think it would involve the belt. The belt's a decent weapon. Like it's it's decent to just like if they're reaching towards you, just kind of like whipping at them. I don't know. I feel like whipping them will at least be like a minor distraction. So here's my here's my strategy. Here's what I here's what I came up with. My main my main plan is get sort of ne- near them, maybe like six foot of distance, right? Okay. So they're coming towards me. So I walk at a normal pace, six six. Well, first first of all, here's what I try. Okay, no, let me let me just do this. Okay, <laughs> let me finish this before I get to the next strategy. I have two strategies. Here's strategy one. Get six feet, then quick, super quick, fast as I can, try to run around behind them because they're going to turn really and really slowly. It's going to be slow before they turn and are able to turn around 
and reach towards me, right? So I think yeah. do a really quick move when I'm like six feet away, get behind them, try to push all three over onto their faces. Okay, I like this. I like because this. I think I think when the time it would take for them to quickly readjust or the time it would take for them to readjust to me running around them and being behind them, I think I'd have at least two seconds where it's literally me standing right behind them with their backs to me. And I would hopefully use that time to at least maybe maybe just push over one. So I get a good push with both hands on the back of one and then and then run off to make sure I have some distance for the other two. So I do, so I six feet away, quick run around to the back, hard push on one, so the one on the left, and then back up, maybe another six feet. So that one's on the ground, right? So there's one down and the one two down, are Two are, are now turned around towards me. They're coming towards me, they're walking towards me. Uh-huh. One on the ground is probably gonna, I, I guess what I try to do at that point is try to lure the, the walking ones towards me and hopefully get back to the first one, run back to the first one, and stomp his head in. Wow, okay. Or at least try. The concern there is, like, how long is it going to take that first one to, to get back up? You know, it, I think it'll take a while, just because they're slow-moving and disoriented. But I think... I think it will take a minute for him to get back up. I think as long as I can lure the other two, like the point is, which I think you alluded to is if you can isolate them, then you should be fine because you can just push them over. Yeah. I think push them over and stomp on their head. It's going to be, yeah, I think that's what you got to do. Um, so yeah, I, I guess actually now I think about it, the belt, now that I'm gaming it out, the belt isn't that much of a help. Because even whip, whipping at the knees, whip it, whipping at <laughs> no, I'm not whip it bad. <laughs> From whip it good to whip it bad, because uh, yeah, like whipping at their knees in order to knock them over, like you'd have to be sort of hunched down, which puts you in a vulnerable position. And whipping at the knee, yeah, I don't. You'd have to whip so hard, and the thing is, you don't know exactly how they're gonna fall with a knee whip. <laughs> Like what direction they're gonna fall in? They might fall towards you, even quicker than you'd expect. Oh, this is dying with the with the new whip. Yeah, you, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, strategy two was basically just walk around the room in a circle until the, the, until they open the door. Until they open the door. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the thing is, there. That's why I put it up to twelve to make that a little bit more difficult because I guess, you you know what? I think that might actually be the best because I mean, the thing is you'd have to get getting it in a circle. Like, cause my theory there is if you get far enough ahead of them, like you only need about four feet of distance to make sure you're safe. Right. So uh-huh. if you're walking, presume you're walking at a pretty decent pace, you could build up enough distance to where you could stop and take a break, even if it's just for like 30 seconds. So if you can take, if you can walk, if you walk for an hour, taking a break, a 30 second break every two minutes, say, I guess Uh I'm wondering, will the, you know, the rest 
is that going to be enough to allow you to walk longer than you would be able to walk if you, if you just walked at a constant pace? You know, does that yeah. rest? Does the thirty second rest? Like, like you know, even playing basketball, you play basketball, so you're running around a lot. If you're able to stand still or even sit for thirty seconds, is that useful? It is. Even if it's just 30, 30 seconds. I'm going to say, yeah, seconds. but I, mean, I don't know. 12 hours is a long time. And I guess if you had to do it to survive, probably could. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, walking 12 hours straight in a circle around the room, that I don't think I could walk for 12 hours straight. I would be, I would be crawling at some point. Crawling on my hands and knees, and then at that point, I'm walking rough. I'm probably moving roughly the same pace as them. I mean, you could walk, yeah. try to walk it purposely at a very slow pace to conserve your energy. Yeah, I don't think you would have to go that fast. I think walk. You walk and take breaks. You just lean, sort of lean against the wall, still standing up, to take your break of thirty seconds. Maybe you might even be able to get a minute if you're far enough from them. Because presumably the max you could be, max distance would be about 30 feet. Mm, that's a pretty good lead. It's a good lead, I guess. 30 feet, 30 seconds. They could, they're moving about a foot. They're sort of shuffling around. So in one second, they can move a foot. Yeah, so that's... You're only going to get about a 30-second break. That's going to be the max you can get. I would take that. So what do you think is better, a better strategy, the, the, the move behind and then push or the walk around? I think. <laughs> or the knee whip. I'm gonna, okay, so knee whip is out. I'm, I'm going to say no knee whip. Okay. No to the knee whip. I, I kind of like the, the walk behind and push. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you like that one? Or at least that would even you know, like you said, it give you the it even give you some more rest time, right? Because it had to get up, and then you could attack while one's on the ground, or attack one of the ones that's standing up still while that one's trying to get up. Mm-hmm. I guess you could do the 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 run around push. You could do that once, get the one on the ground, and then with group two, the group of two, you could do it again. And then yeah. you've got two of them on the ground. Some one -on -one. And then you're only dealing one on one while the other two are on the ground. I mean, that might <laughs> right, actually be the best. And then rinse and repeat, right? Do the same for the yep. next two. Yep. I don't know. I think that I think that works. Or you could just, you know, walk around for twelve hours. <laughs> yeah. That would be that would be tough because your your body you know, you're you're losing energy that entire time at some point your body's going to want to just like shut down on you that's what i'd be yeah like, i uh, think so like just like being physically not like my legs just my body won't let my legs move at all at some point <laughs> and then if that happens then then you've walked around for like 10 hours and then finally get eaten after 10 hours <laughs> <laughs> like oh it was so close please <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I would, no, I think you got to attack. Yeah. 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 I think I, I like the, the run around push. I think that's, I mean, I guess if there's some way, yeah, I, I think I'm trying to think if there's any way to sort of push one into the other 
if there's any way to do that because that would yeah i mean that's what i was thinking in the beginning right i mean in, in the walking dead in the walking dead they don't push i mean you know after i mean they pretty quickly i mean well they have access to a lot of weapons and stuff like guns and even like they wouldn't consider I mean, I, I haven't seen enough episodes of The Walking Dead. Like, I don't know if there's been scenes where it's just unarmed human versus maybe one zombie and to know what they do. Uh, do they, they probably just run off. I in a while. I think so. I think, I mean, you, I just, yeah, if you can run, you run. If you have the space or, like, if you're if you're not indoors or even if you're indoors with a room, just, cl- just close the door, you're pretty much fine. Like, being in, <laughs> in one big room with with nothing is like even if there was like a chair in that room obviously you know you use that as a weapon right you, you break the chair or whatever pick it up smashing zombies yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the, or even yeah, if there's the just wall. like a couch there just like i don't know with a couch you could maybe like lean it up and then tip it down on on them you know i think there may have been I think there was like a a scene where zombie somebody had to go like hand to hand with a zombie. Yeah. I'm sure there was no weapons. I don't I don't remember. I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, it was probably Rick. I don't know though. He probably like went crazy and like ripped off the zombie's head or something. Yeah, he he does he does get angry for you. You got some management yeah. issues. <laughs> Seems like he's always pissed off. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I'd be mad oh, too. Rick's grumpy again. <laughs> What's new? Uh, oh, is it is it a day that ends in Y? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we've just, we've we figured it out. The the runaround push, <laughs> best bet. Stay away from the knee whip strategy. Yeah. Stay away from the knee whip. Stay away from the barrel roll and the log roll. <laughs> you know, we workshop those. They didn't quite work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rolling around on the ground against zombies is not the best strategy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to stay mobile. Exactly. Stay the float that's like that's your advantage, man. That's your advantage. You can move. Exactly. You got that yeah. lateral lateral quickness. You know, you got everything. Yeah. You can juke, them, juke them out. Juke. Yeah. Juke. I mean, the quick runaround is sort of a juke. Yeah. It's a fake out. Then I, they can't do anything against the quick runaround. Yeah. All right. Well, any wrap up? Any closing thoughts? Um, no closing thoughts. Any Eat junk food green. segment? Eat some, I don't have any good junk food. <laughs> yeah. Maybe next week I have some. I got McDonald's has um, bacon cheese fries now with a special cheese sauce. Oh my I've seen God. that. They look. It looks weird. Is it good? That's that cheese. I've been waiting for. I know you're a sauce, sauce. sauce connoisseur. Oh my god, it's it's fucking perfect. It's so fucking good. <laughs> I might go get some right now. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get a. Get out there. There's a new juice spot though, so I'll get a, I'll get a, a fresh juice too. Counterbalance it. Oh okay. That's that's pretty good. That's a nice little balance you got there. Yeah, a nice fr- a fresh pressed juice, plus um, 
McDonald's bacon cheese fries. Yep. Yep, breakfast <laughs> champions. I don't know too many people that at 3 p.m. that combination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is podcast 60 plus 8 minus 0. <laughs> we out. No knee whip. No. Run around, juke around, <laughs> juke around, around, push. Do the, the run around. Do the juke around, push. <laughs> juke them in, push them. Juke them in, push Okay. Oh, yeah.